Good morning, and welcome back to Fresh from the Margins, the new releases podcast. My name is B. Peterson. I am your host, and with me as always is... Hannah Campion. Hello, everyone. The other host. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anna, how, how are you? <laughs> uh, I'm doing all right, you know. Uh, just had a pretty low-key week. Um... Yeah, nothing nothing too exciting to report on my end. How that, are you doing? That that sounds nice. Nothing to report. <laughs> um I'm not going to go too much into it, but it's been a rough very rough few days mm-hmm. and uh Yeah, so that's I mean, I I just talked about it on Twitter a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do that here, but anyway, things are are not Oh, completely horrific. So that's 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 okay. the upside. We'll take um, it. Um. Yeah. But um. And you know, it's been it's been really nice um, watching the White House press briefings hmm. and um the the White House press secretary. She is killing it. Um. They have a policy there that if they don't know the answer to a question, they're going to say I don't know. And they're not going to guess, and they're going to move on, which is so nice, so refreshing. And um, yeah, no, it's 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 been refreshing to see some degree of competence come from come from the White House. Yeah, um, but yeah, absolutely, uh, for sure. Anyway, uh, speaking of competency, uh, today's film <laughs> that we're going to be talking about, um, you guys voted for it. It's uh, Regina King's. Uh, Bio, uh, bio. I guess it's technically a biopic. Um, One night in Miami. I mean, it's not uh, really a biopic. I mean, I, it's historical fiction. Yeah. There you go. Um, and One Night in Miami, uh, directed by Regina King, written by uh, Kemp Powers, um, who was the co-director and co-writer of Soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote and he wrote this adaptation of his play and it's about um, the night that um, the night that Muhammad Ali but it was at that time known as Cassius Clay um, the night he won the uh, the heavyweight championship of the world against um, Sonny Liston yeah and um, and he celebrated that night by hanging out with some friends of his namely Malcolm X who you whom you might have heard of Sam Cook and Jim Brown, and um, that is, is an actual night that happened. But this film obviously goes into imagining what they would have been talking about. Yeah, what and, happened that night. And for those who uh, you know maybe don't know, maybe haven't watched the movie yet, Sam Cook is a very was a very prolific uh, music artist, um, yeah, singer, and music, and producer, and music producer. He was also he wasn't like great, all things considered. He did. Um, beat up his beat up ladies a lot which isn't cool but he he was a a very key a big part of the civil rights movement and i obviously don't want to take away from that and then jim brown was um like an incredible an incredible football player for the for the nfl and he played for the cleveland browns for many years yeah so yeah this is a film about four incredibly influential incredibly famous um african-american men and debating about philosophy and about power and about responsibility and, and ethics and all that jazz uh, uh anna what, what do you think of this film you know it's one of those films that you can tell like 
right away that it was a play first. Um, it has a really limited uh, set. Like, it really, I would say 90% of the movie takes place in Malcolm X's hotel room. Um, right. And the only times that there are any sort of outs, the they go to watch, excuse me, um, they go to watch the fight. And then at one point, like, Sam Cooke and um, Muhammad Ali go and, like, pick up, you know, booze from a liquor store or something. And they go on the roof of the hotel. And that's it. Like, there is no really other um, locations that outside in, of in, the the opening scenes where we see um, each of them. Well, those are those are lives. different. Those are yeah. those are like flashbacks, and then at the end they're the sort establishing. Of they're the establishing scenes, and then we have the bulk of the film, which is the hotel. Yeah, room. I meant I meant I guess like the the setting in the timeline of the film as we are right. aware of it. Um, so it's you can definitely tell it's a play, and I personally I am not huge into theater um i you know i i respect it like i really under like i think you know it's an art form and i uh i have nothing but respect for it but it's not something that i ever really um like go out of my way to to see um and which is you know uh that isn't to say that like i wouldn't have seen this or anything but it's just like it's not something that ever would have pinged on my radar had it not been adapted into a movie. Um, so, I mean, I thought it, I thought it was good. I think it was, the theater roots were very evident. Um, you can also tell because, like, you know, Leslie Odom Jr. plays Sam Cooke. He's obviously a huge theater guy. He, he has um, had, like, a successful film career since Hamilton. But, you know, before that, he was, like, a theater guy. Um, and, uh... Yeah, um, I mean, I really, I really enjoyed it. I think it's a really interesting um, look at like the idea of like personal responsibility and personal values versus um, like the bigger picture and sort of like how that fits into the bigger picture. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a really interesting look at like how individuals interact in a sort of like collective movement and how like you know there is there's never any such thing as like a homogenous group of people in any situation i enjoyed the film i gave it i mean on letterboxd i gave it you know four out of five stars or whatever i um yeah i i did i did enjoy the film i always enjoy these kind of of films where like we see famous people interacting because it's it these what these films do is they serve as a they serve as a conduit for ideological debates and that's always something that I that I that I enjoy seeing is is famous people um have having it out in in private rooms like that's always something that I find I find really engaging and and in this film the debate is the 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 two sides if you will is um sam cook um with the idea of of uplifting through um economic means and by getting the power um uh through through working within the system and then we have uh malcolm x who's on the other side of the debate who is um a, who is more focused on how we need to 
we need to be given what is already rightfully ours and how we need to take that. Um, Yeah, I think when you kind of, just to sort of, like, I think, you know, sort of how I saw it and, you know, to boil it down to, like, one word for each argument, it was like Sam Cooke was on the side of sort of, like, reform and Malcolm X was on the side of sort of abolition. So it's the idea of, like, Sam Cooke wants to reform the system and work within the system and Malcolm X wants to dismantle the system and create a whole new sort of world. That's kind of how I saw it. Um, which is, you know, a debate a debate that, you know, those are two, like, key words in a lot of political debates, you know, these days in terms of things like... Right. Um, yeah, it was... it was I, I I enjoyed the back and forth between them and, and in, terms, in terms of the other two. Jim Brown is more on the side of Sam Cooke and uh, Muhammad... Al, or Cassius Clay is more on the side of Malcolm X. Um, part of this film is about um, Cassius Clay and his intention to... Uh, intention to be, go public about being a Muslim, and and the ramifications of that, and and it's it's something that's we never really that we don't see a lot in in mainstream Hollywood films is portrayals of is portrayals of of Muslims and portrayals of of Islam. I mean, I'd say that most of the portrayals that I've seen in films would are in direct relation to Malcolm X because of, of how he was a, a figurehead for a certain sect of Islam. Yeah. And, and that's, lo- that's also kind of complicated in itself because the nation of Islam is sort of, uh, it's one it's, very particular sect. of. Well, it's of kind Islam. of, it's kind of thought of as a cult in a lot of ways, um, particularly mm-hmm. because um, Elijah Muhammad, uh, you know, who, you know, it kind of fits into a lot of these ideas of like a, a charismatic leader, um, like a a sort of isolation from outside society, outside of the group, um, and uh, different recruitment methods and stuff. But Elijah Muhammad was a real, a total scum, terrible person. He was yeah. an awful guy. Um, and I don't, I don't want to say, um, like. You know, that's just kind of like, like I took a couple classes on, you know, like religious movements and stuff like that in college. And that's just kind of like what I learned in that. I'm not saying that that's necessarily right. But like, just from my knowledge, a lot of like scholars who study that sort of thing do consider Nation of Islam to be, it is considered like a cult in a lot of like, sort of academic circles. Um, And I don't want to say that in an attempt to like belittle anything that Malcolm X did. I think he's like an amazing person. Um, I mean, and he himself eventually, I mean, that's detailed in this mm-hmm. film, is his intention to leave the movement because of after re- realizing right. the but truth about Elijah Muhammad. I guess I more just wanted to say that because, like, it is interesting because I agree there aren't a lot of um, portrayals of um, Islam in really, like, American films. And often, you know, the ones you see are in relation to uh, Malcolm X, which, you know, for better or for worse, is often not, you know... Um, representative yeah it's not representative of sort of like the mainstream islam that like uh you know that most of the muslim people that i know like uh you know right uh uh, what's the word i'm looking for worship like or or practice um Mm. so you know just just an interesting point like and that that's neither here nor there but you know just kind of an interesting point yeah it's and the i don't know if if you ever because because this entire film is this back and forth 
between these two ideals of reform and and abolition and i was i was just wondering if you ever came down on a certain side like if if you leaned one more towards one than the other oh uh, i think um i mean i think malcolm x is right like i think he (laughs) i think he um i think he always had the right idea and i think that we are seeing that like i think a lot of the stuff that he preached about is still correct and true um and it is it it is do you hear that baby yes no i i hear that baby (laughs) okay well sorry folks uh there's a baby in my apartment and she is sad um uh but um I mean, my point being that, like, there, throughout any movement, like the the feminist movement, the gay rights movement, the civil rights movement, throughout a lot of movements that have happened in the past, you know, hundred years, um, there has always been, like, the idea of abolition versus the idea of reform, and that's often what, what ends up sort of splitting groups like splitting movements right. when when they kind of reach that first hurdle and you know you see it because you see like you know people like feminists who believe in reform it's like okay well now we do have you know like women ceos and women republican politicians but that hasn't actually fixed anything like that hasn't no. actually um that hasn't actually created um equality um right same with you know the gay rights movement it's like oh we have um you know now gay people can get married and now gay people can be out and hold public office and there are gay ceos and there are gay politicians and again that hasn't fixed anything and it's the There's same still an oppression there's still a supremacist system yeah and you know i just saw um something today that biden's cabinet just uh uh appointed the first black secretary of defense which like rah rah but he worked for like a missile contractor like a month ago Mm. so it's not actually gonna this idea of like reform and sort of working within the system historically has not worked so i do think that um malcolm x has always had the right idea and you know he's not the only one that's ever had these ideas but just in the context of this movie um the system isn't built to be reformed. The system, as we know it's built it, to perpetuate. Yeah, and it will never change, and so we need a new system. Yeah, no, it's I, it's I've I've ne- I've, it's because I grew up um, on the idea of I mean it's in this in this edu- in this very um, racist education system that we have and how the it was always the Malcolm versus Martin and how mm-hmm. Malcolm was the bad one because he was the violent one and Martin was the good one because mm-hmm. he was the peaceful one and, and how it erases so much, all of the nuance as well as all of the demonization that was happening to Martin in his day. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one of the other films that we might've reviewed instead of this was MLK FBI. And that would have, um, that that's a, a very good film that goes into all of ha- how horribly, uh, Martin was treated in his day. And, by the government but um but i mean and it was largely thanks to um uh spike lee's malcolm x which is just mm-hmm. maybe one of maybe maybe the best biopic out there yeah um if i that it's like that and selma for me um that 
it showed all of the nuance in Malcolm's life and all of his actual his actual beliefs that weren't uh, distilled and and demonized by white educators and yeah. I mean I'm still I'm always going to disagree on Malcolm about in terms of like arms and guns because I'm just I'm I don't, yeah. I don't like them at all but but there's a moment in this film that when Malcolm is it's it's at a point where um, Sam is stormed off and they're trying to get Malcolm to cool down and he says this and I've got this line here and when he said this line I was like okay so Malcolm is there is no way that Malcolm is not is not on the right side of things here when he says that um, that there is no more room for anyone not you not me not Jimmy not Sam no one to be standing on the fence anymore mm-hmm. our people are literally literally dying in the streets every day black people are dying every day and a line has got to be drawn in the sand Jimmy a line that says either you stand on this side with us or you stand over on that side against us those exact words can be transplanted to a to a to a, de- a debate about reform or abolition today and that that in this day there is still no more room for anyone to to be on the fence you either are um, in support of anti-racist policy and anti and anti-racist anti-racism and anti-racist society or you are in support of the racist society that is still perpetuating and the racist policies that are still oppressing and uh yeah, no, it's just it's uh I I'm 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 with Malcolm on this one. Yeah, but but I also will say I do think that what the film does a really good job of is like I don't necessarily think that like Sam Cook is wrong in his beliefs either. Like, you know, he talks about how in his belief system that like the key to everything is economic freedom because like how are we how are how is anyone going to be able to do anything if they don't have any money? Which is also true. And it's like, well, yeah, I still have to live in this society I hate. Like, I can believe in change, but you do still have to, you know, I still have a job. I still am paying my student loans. I I still, you know, have to order from Amazon every once in a while because I can't find something elsewhere. Like, I do, like... Everyone has to participate in the society that's been created, even if we so desperately want it to change. And I think Sam Cooke was showing that element of it, um, right? Which is was you know equally how, important. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a great monologue he gives about how he was able to game the system and to get um, uh, royalties to black artists, even though that they were they were being their music was being gentrified, and and that's and he has he has a good point about how about the economic the importance of economic uh freedom being a key to freedom in in general and i just i think just the hole in that though is that this idea that that um to get some people in power and that that'll trickle down is evidenced by the fact that malcolm's statement is still true today that we are still in the same spot in many respects and that 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 the economic the economic freedom has not trickled down that there's there are some people who are let in say okay but you're still the exception to the rule and yeah no anyway, i think malcolm I want... is yeah malcolm is more correct in in my estimation but you know i think what i think this film does a good job of is i do think it gives sort of both philosophies equal weight and equal importance and equal screen time and equal time which i think right. yeah which is i think um important 
Right. And yeah, it just shows how much respect that that the the script and and Regina King have for 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 this debate. It's not just about proving someone right or proving someone wrong. It's about showing the debate and showing the nuances and showing the humanity in all of these people. I'd like to uh, just sh- I'd like to shout out the actors. Uh, so we've got Leslie Odom Jr. as as Sam Cooke. We've got who's obviously you might have heard of him. He's uh, uh, Aaron Burr, uh, sir. And we've got Kingsley Benadire as uh, Malcolm X, who I think is is easily the 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 standout of this film. Um, he's uh, he's great in High Fidelity, which was a TV show that got canceled after one season, which was complete BS because Zoe Kravitz. That whole show was amazing. Zoe Kravitz, in particular, is is great, and he's 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 lovely in that. Eli Gorey plays Cassius Clay. Um, this, I think, is kind of his big break. Um, he's fantastic. He is. He's got so much energy. In he this was film, in Riverdale. Frame. Oh, he was. Okay. Yep. I, he was on. I, he was on Archie's I, prison football team. <laughs> oh boy. Um, and then um, Aldous Hodge plays Jim Brown, and um, he was in The Invisible Man. He was great in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just wanted to, wanted to shout shout those guys out because they're all great. I think if there was a weak point, I'd probably say that it was Leslie Odom Jr. Just because um, he, I don't know, maybe it was just me just seeing his. his, his I mean, he has such a distinct voice. He has such a such a gorgeous voice and it just i i couldn't not hear leslie odom jr throughout the entirety of this film and that might be on me but it just i felt well, that I it also, was, he was almost playing himself so i think there's a huge difference between um acting in a play and acting in a movie and i just don't think i just I'm just not confident this is Leslie Odom Jr.'s medium. I'm that's that doesn't say he's obviously crazy talented. He he wasn't bad in this by any means, but No. It it felt um oftentimes he felt a little overwrought, and that was kind of when I was like, Oh, this is a play and like this is a theater kid who's in a movie now. No judgment. I mean, to theater I think kids. That it's just I I I as I mean, yes, I come I have a background in theater, but just as someone who like, I think some of the best films ever made are just adaptations of plays that are, that never seek to go beyond the limits of, of their, of their theatrical origins, like say 12 angry men. I think that is a movie filled with big flashy performances, very broad performances. And, and it's all set in one room. And I think that, that it's, that it can be just as strong on screen as, as on stage. Um, take Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. There's not a, there's not a subtle performance in there. Chadwick Boseman is, is huge, huge in that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it works. Um, I, 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 I enjoy when a film, um, I enjoy when a film is, lets itself, um, sit in its in its theatrical roots and just says, yeah, we're just going to be in one place and everybody's going to be big and broad and that there's still a place for that on screen. I think if if I do have an issue with with this film, I'd say that it that it it's it's trying to take that and it's a very very slick movie. It has a very Hollywood sheen on it, and I think that maybe um, it might have been better served by. Um, by uh uh if the if it felt a little bit 
less polished and that it would have felt a bit more raw to me but that's that's more of a personal thing but i don't i think that i don't know i just i i i I don't think that because it felt like a play that that is a that that is a a negative thing necessarily on a a knock on i don't i don't think it's inherently a negative thing for film in general um i just don't think that the leslie odom jr casting matched the other casting. I think the other three actors were like I just kind of feel like they were more like in their role I guess. Maybe that's the way to phrase it and it felt like Leslie Odom Jr. was just hadn't quite dove in to the Sam Cooke character in the same way that the other guys had dove into their characters. But I'm not an actor, and I'm not trying to knock Leslie Odom Jr. or anything like that. Obviously, he's massively talented. Obviously, he he is a good actor. Um, I just think, uh, I thought, I guess I just thought there was a bit of a discrepancy between him and the other three actors. Sure. I mean, and, and I mean, I'll say is that the, for me, the most powerful scene in the film is, is the ending where he, where Leslie Odom Jr. just goes and he belts out this gorgeous rendition of of Change is going to Come. Well, of course, because he's a beautiful singer and that's a beautiful song. So, like, of course that's going to be powerful. Anyway, uh, I'm not not sure what else I have really more to say about it. Well, you know, I think it's, you know, I think it made me, it made me think. It, It, you know, it introduced me to a little... It gave me more of a taste as to what these men might have really been like. Um, and, you know, I've I've obviously watched the autobiography of Malcolm X. Um, and, I mean, there's been a lot of depictions of Malcolm X in the media. And he obviously was so prolific um, that it's hard to kind of not get his vibe. Like, just from sort of, like, reading his autobiography and watching, you know, the autobiography of Malcolm X. Like... I, I didn't necessarily feel like I um, got a deeper understanding of him. That's not a bad thing. I just knew a lot about him beforehand. Um, but I do feel like I got a deeper understanding of the other three men. Um, right. Because, you know, they they were, you know, two athletes and a singer who had, you know, public images that, that weren't as... Um, you know, that weren't as fleshed out as their private images, which is, which is normal. You know, Malcolm X is sort of the exception to that. Um, in this in this uh, fun little quartet, um, but I guess also I just wanted to, you know, clarify that we are two white people, so um, you know, yes. take our comments with a grain of salt because obviously, like, take it with the whole shaker. Yeah, I mean, neither of us can speak to the black experience, and you know, I think, you know, I'm still really working on like my sort of anti-racist education and like trying really hard to like you know just become like a better person to uh you know uh black and indigenous and you know people of color um and so i don't i don't want to like like i guess i just don't want anyone to you know, obviously, like, this is a film review podcast, so we're going to review films, and, like, that's cool, and that's all right. But also, like, you know, this isn't necessarily 
this isn't our story in any way. You know what I mean? Right. This is not yeah, our history. Right. It's American history, but it's not white people's history. Let's let's do the 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 quantified vibe check, which is um so I mean I'll I'll give my quantified vibe check. I think uh One Night in Miami is is a is a decent film. There was never any point that that legitimately um uh blew me away. Um I think that I I I think I I would have enjoyed this this um this script a lot more if it were on stage um to have all of that immediacy there by putting it behind the veil of the the Holly, the Hollywood sheen on it I think it there was maybe something a, a little bit of that that power that was a, kind of lost in translation but still very a solid film and Kingsley Benadire for me is the is the is the MVP of this film um I'm I'm going to so I'll I'll give uh One Night in Miami um I'm going to give it two uh two calls home to talk to the kids out of eight um brand new cameras mm. double lens cam- twin lens cameras that's what i'm giving this film it's a, it is a really nice camera that he has in the film um yeah no that's I, that's a gorgeous camera um i disagree i think that this uh was a really good film i think that i enjoyed it more as a film than i would have as a play i think that it did benefit from you know like the the handful of like sort of side characters and sort of like um extras and and set locations i think it did benefit to sort of give a better sense of sort of ambiance and like the environment at the time which obviously i wasn't alive for um but uh yeah i mean the standout are are the four men and to me actually i mean i think uh kingsley benadir did a great job but um for me the standout was eli gory as um muhammad ali i thought he was amazing i couldn't keep my eyes off of him um i i see i see big things happening for him i think he's awesome um so i'm really excited to see that so my quantified vibe check for this is i'm going to give it um uh six knockouts out of eight rounds all right of boxing (laughs) cool all right so then uh anna what is what is your recommendation from the margins oh my god my recommendation from the margins um here you go first all right um so if you enjoyed this film and if you would like to see more films about the about the black experience in during the 50s and 60s um then i would have to recommend eugene ash's sylvie's love which is also on amazon prime it stars uh it stars tessa thompson and um uh, i'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it but it's uh namdi asamuga uh, he is they are both lovely it's a romance film and it's one of those films where you can practically quote every single line because it's going through all of the beats of your of your hollywood romance and and for a while i was like this is really this is really lovely i mean yeah i can see where this is going yada 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 and so i was like all right this is very very well done and then the film just keeps on going and it goes beyond the point of where you think a typical romance film would go and it becomes a film about a relationship and and a and a 
I guess you could say a a subversive relationship in that it is a very progressive and the film ends up being a very feminist uh very feminist film um about gender roles in 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 a marriage and I just and I thought it was I thought it was lovely and it was so good that I thought it was directed by a woman but it's um his <laughs> Eugene Ash is the director and yeah so I highly recommend Sylvie's Love which is on Amazon Prime nice um okay sorry just I needed to find this entry in my notebook but um it is a, a film made by a black woman about um the black lesbian experience in the 90s it's called The Watermelon Woman uh, it's from 1996. Oh. It's directed by Cheryl Dunn. Oh, yeah. One of the greatest movies ever made, that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I hadn't heard of it until, um, you know, this past summer. And so uh, I do think it's kind of niche. I don't think a lot of it. it I don't think a ton of people have uh, seen it. So this is my yeah. recommendation. Um, yeah, it's like an indie film. It takes place in like Philly. And basically Cheryl Dunn plays Cheryl sort Denier. of like. Hmm? Cheryl Denier. Oh, okay. Cheryl Denier plays uh, like a sort of fictionalized kind of version of herself um, who, uh, you know, sort of seeks to make a documentary about a very like unknown actress from the 30s who was called the Watermelon Woman and basically goes uncredited. So it's about sort of like her journey, like making that film and also her personal journey with like her friends and her love interests. And um, it's awesome. It's a really good film. Um, like I said, I just watched it uh, this summer, and uh, it's great. I love it. Yeah, no, that I I would I would love to do um, a podcast specifically about Cheryl Denier's early work before the Watermelon Woman, um, because her her short films and and her experimental films are just they're I think that they're actually like the maybe some of the origins for what we would call vlogs today um that they're she calls she called them dunier mentories and i think that yeah no she was she was creating a whole a, a, a genre before it before it would become before it even became a genre and yeah no, she, watermelon woman is is it's on the criterion channel um i think it's on tubi it's it's around you can watch you can, it you can you can rent should. it on you can rent it on youtube too and i also just want to say i did i had it spelled in my notebook d-u-n-n Dunn, which is why I said it oh, like that, but there okay. is another filmmaker named Cheryl Dunn, and so I guess, I don't know, maybe okay. it was listed wrong somewhere or something like that, so that's why I pronounced right. it like that, but yeah. you are right, it is Cheryl Denier, but for whatever reason, I misspelled it. All right. Um, so with that, um, next week on Fresh the Margins, we're going to be talking about um, uh, a Frank Oz film. Uh, yes, that Frank Oz. Um, he directed a performance special. It's called Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself. And uh, you guys voted for it. And so that's what we'll be reviewing uh, next week. Um, that's going to be available on Hulu if you'd like to also see it. And yeah, um, with that, uh, plug yourself, Anna. Uh, follow me on Twitter at I am the Campion. Um, follow my podcast on Twitter at Ono oh the Pod. We're also on Instagram at Ono oh the Pod. It's Ono oh with Anna Campion on all streaming services, uh, talking about embarrassing and absurd stories. Um, Bees on an episode. It's a good episode, and I've released a few good episodes since then. So uh, please do uh, please tune in. It's a fun time. All right. Um, I'm on Twitter and at Letterbox at Blue Gray Closet. You find this podcast, anger.fm slash screens margins, but we're everywhere. 
And you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash margins, slash screens margins, where we not only have where you can not just listen to the free podcasts on the screens margins, but also uh, bonus podcasts about Lucrecia Martel, uh, uh, Rainer Werner Fassbinder, Dorothy Arzner. And uh, you can also vote. Um, the, our patrons vote on what films we review on this podcast. They re- vote on what films we review next on um, on uh, the Fassbinder podcast. And yeah, and I've got some other stuff in the pipeline, maybe. Um, yeah, I just... Uh, I've I'm I've been low energy today. It's just been, it's been a it's been a rough week, and I'm I'm just glad that I can I can I can do this. So um, with that, uh, we know that there's a pull these days when it comes to films to focus only on the big and mainstream stuff. So thank you for spending a little time with us here today, here on the margins. Good night. Uh-huh.